We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for October 3rd, 2010. And uh, next subject, we're going to switch gears here. This is an article that Cutting Edge put out this week. <clears throat> and it's entitled, Sarah Palin Demonstrates Her Illuminati Foundation as She Brags That Henry Kissinger Is Her Mentor. David Bay states, as I stated many times, my research over the past 24 years has proven to me that the Illuminati will not even let a person on their stage who is not completely sold out to their global plan. And I would absolutely 100% agree with him regarding that. Therefore, when Senator McCain chose Sarah Palin to be his running mate in 2008, uh, the 2008 presidential election, when Sarah Palin stepped onto the national GOP stage, I knew she had to be sold out to the plan of the global elite. Uh, now she has admitted that her mentor is Henry Kissinger. And there's a little link you can click on here, or you can hear it right out of her own mouth, YouTube video. In this video, Sarah, Sarah Palin reveals that she has had conversations with Henry Kissinger about foreign policy issues. Palin said that old Henry had a real passion for diplomacy. She talked very casually about her conversations with this Illuminati devil. She had met him with him so often that she felt very comfortable being around him. But there's more to Palin's tone. She speaks with him with great admiration. Uh, she also speaks about him as, as if it were he were a father figure to her. Indeed, Henry Kissinger has schooled Sarah Palin on foreign policy issues since McCain tapped her as his vice presidential candidate. This reality is an absolute disaster. Henry Kissinger is one of the most powerful Illuminati fingers in the entire world today. In their news story, 1328, which I give you a link to, we revealed, in 1952, the Illuminati redrew all sovereign nations of the world into military patrol zones. We encourage you to read the study, to read and study the map of this article. For when you will understand the ultimate plan of the global elite, uh, once the coming Antichrist is on the world scene. Um, and then they give you another link. I'm sorry, that was written a little bit disjointed. The United Nations is acting to fully implement their plan worldwide, fully in compliance with their 1952 world map. Former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, one of the most high-ranking Illuminists today, let the cat out of the bag for anyone who knew the plan. During the Rodney King riding in Los Angeles, Kissinger made the following statement. Today, Americans would be outraged if UN forces entered Los Angeles to restore order. Tomorrow, they will be greeted. A more succinct, succinct statement of his part in the New World Order plan is not possible. Henry Kissinger has just stated the full and complete plan for his listeners. But since most Americans do not know this part of the plan, Kissinger remarks flew right over their heads. Do not be deceived. The United States is not going to voluntarily give up its sovereignty, or the United States is not only going to voluntarily give up its sovereignty, <clears throat> its leadership is going to voluntarily allow foreign troops to enter so as to impose military rule. Every time you see the United Nations intervene militarily somewhere in the world, you can know for increasing certainty that America's time for such intervention draws nearer and nearer. But Henry Kissinger is even more dangerous. Uh, Henry Kissinger is one of the most powerful of all luminous leaders. According to former Satanist Cisco Wheeler and Doc Marquis, Kissinger once sat on what they call the Council of Nine, a global occult organization which makes top-level global decisions to which the direction of uh, the plan to reorganize the world will go next. And I'll be honest, all the research I've seen done regarding the most high-level black projects of this country, Henry Kissinger is usually always near the top of the food chain. Almost without exception, he is. So, we're talking about one of the most evil men on the planet. Kissinger is also one of the key members of the openly satanic Bohemian Grove, which I've done a whole study on that as well. You can key in on contendingfortruth.com. The Bilderbergers and the Trilateral Commission. So he's a member of the Bohemian Grove, the Bilderbergers, the Trilateral Commission. He was on the, Glo the uh, Council of Nine. Uh, they've even got an article on this that you can click on. You can explore further. This is also not the first time when Kissinger has been firmly linked to President Obama as well. Several weeks ago, Kissinger announced that as President Obama was primed to bring about the New World Order. Therefore, if you are still holding on to a shred of belief that Sarah Palin can be a genuine Christian, 
her mentor-type relationship with Henry Kissinger, should alone change your mind. Furthermore, her involvement with the Joel's Army movement, as detailed by Pastor Hoggard in the DVD, um, which I give you a link to, it's the, um, I, I talked about it uh, one or two weeks ago, it's entitled Joel's Army, um, The Truth Behind Joel's Army. Okay. which is this whole dominionist theology that's prevalent within certain sects of Christianity, particularly now the like Pentecostal, charismatic. Uh, they tend to have more of a bent toward that now. And since Sarah Palin, I believe, is Pentecostal, it's no wonder that she wouldn't be implemented or indicated in that. Let's go further here. <clears throat> Anyway, her, her involvement in the Joel's Army movement as detailed by Pastor Hoggard in the DVD above should further convince you. Today, Sarah Palin is an occasional commentator on the Republican Illuminati station Fox News and is the darling of the conservative elitist programming near, nearly everywhere. Just remember this, before the Illuminati will allow anyone on their stage, that person must be trusted insider and a firm supporter of their global plans. Sarah Palin is no exception. So that's it's very hard for a lot of people to get that firmly accept and believe that really anybody near the top or in any level of either Hollywood, politics, these types of things, you know, they only get there because they're sold out to Satan. They, they just, it doesn't happen any other way anymore. Maybe at one time it might have, but nowadays it just doesn't. So anyway, I wanted to go over that little piece of information and we'll go to the next article now. Okay, so next article, uh, let's see here. This is about the United Nations. After a year of humiliating setbacks, the United Nations Secretary General Ban Ki-moon and about 60 of his top lieutenants and top brass in the entire UN system spent their Labor Day weekend in a remote Australian Alpine retreat discussing ways to put their sprawling organization in charge of the world's agenda. Now, this is a article from Fox News, the ones we just mentioned, Illuminati Controlled. And it's funny because it's kind of written in a way where it's almost like I didn't know if it was an alternative news source trying to expose them at, at the beginning because it, um, I had to keep looking back and, and seeing that it was Fox News because I thought it might have been like... <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. Sorry about that. Had a little coughing spell there. Uh... Anyway, yeah, I had looked at this, and, and it was written in such a way as they were, you know, I was kind of wondering if they were trying to expose it or not. It was kind of funny there. Um, <clears throat> detailing concerns the two-day closed-door sessions in the comfortable village of Alpbach were closely guarded. Nonetheless, position papers for the meeting obtained by Fox News indicate topics included how to restore climate change as a top global priority after the fiasco of last year's Copenhagen summit. Now, see... At Copenhagen, it was proven, that was around the same time those memos came out from the scientists that were actually doing the work on global warming, and it proved totally that global warming was a total sham and that they had cooked the books, and it was a bunch of bogus garbage. Well, I don't know how you undo that, but evidently they're going to try to find a way to restore climate change as the top global priority, even though it's been proven a total pack of lies. Okay, so again, anything associated with the UN is going to be pure evil virtually every time. <clears throat> Next agenda, how to continue to try to make global redistribution of wealth the real basis of the climate agenda. So they're going to use a total lie, what they're telling us is they're going to use a total sham lie in order to be the basis for their redistribution of wealth, creating, well, their version of redistribution of wealth is totally eliminating the middle class worldwide, creating an ultra poverty class, and an ultra-elite class. That's their version of redistribution of wealth uh, under a type of um, communistic, socialistic, fascistic type of model for the New World Order. And that's what they're trying to do. And to widen the discussion further to encompass the idea of global public goods. <clears throat> Next agenda. How to keep the UN peacekeeping efforts into missions involving in the police, the courts, the legal system. See, they want to keep their slimy tentacles in every aspect of 
any government that they can worm their way into is what they're saying there. So they want to have their UN peacekeepers involved with police, courts, and the legal systems and other aspects of strife-torn countries. Uh, Next agenda. How to capitalize on the global tide of migrants from poor nations to rich ones. Now, we're the only country on the planet that I know of that just lets illegal aliens come into our country and just to corrupt and dilute the population bases. We're the only ones I know of that, that do that. Uh, particularly, most of, or a large percentage of the illegal aliens are associated with drug cartels and um, they're criminals in their home countries. Or, now we also know, as we've reported in times past, that a lot of them are actually the um, Muslims, the Muslim terrorists that, you know, come in up through Central America into our country. And we've reported on that in the past, too. So, but they're going to capitalize on the global tide of migrants from poor nations to rich ones to encompass a new international migration governance framework. Probably some system of open borders, uh, which ultimately, you know, where we have, like, uh, the North American Union, which is a combination of Canada... Uh, Mexico, and um, the United States. And that way we could just grandfather in all the illegal aliens and be one big happy global family. So, let's go further. The next agenda, how to make clever, quote clever, use of new technologies to deepen direct ties with what the UN calls, quote, civil society. Meaning, novel ways to bypass its member nation states and deal directly with constituencies that support the UN agendas. What does that, all that bunch of garbage that I said just mean? What does that mean? Well, what it means is, and I I really would apply this more to America than any other place, when they say, meaning they're going to use clever, clever ways to basically bypass its member nation states, meaning like a particular state, like North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, they have their own, um, uh, they have their own like state, you know, police force, city governments, things of this nation nature that might be against many of the UN policies. Whereas federally, Washington D.C. types like Obama and the the um, global elite that run the show up there, they're going to be much more sympathetic to UN agendas from a federal standpoint, okay, whereas they don't like the fact, the UN doesn't like this fact that there's individual sovereign nation states. Now, I'm not saying the this, this states are sovereign by any stretch of the imagination, um, but, you know, the whole thing about with checks and balances built in with di- different states and the Senate and the Congress and all that, see, they want to have a way to overrule all that, and they just want to have a way to directly impose their draconian satanic agenda on the United States at large and not have to worry about these different 50 states that might come against them if they tried to do this from an individual standpoint. That's what that means. Okay, as one underlying theme of the sessions, the top UN bosses seem to be grappling often with how to cope with the pesky issue of national sovereignty. And again, that's that would I really think that would fall under the whole thing of you know, national sovereignty, obviously. We're America. We are, you know, not Canada. We are not Mexico. And they don't like that. They want they want the world to be a world without borders. The one world government. One world political system. One world religious system. One world economic system. One world currency. Okay? And America would um, obviously offer a lot of resistance in a lot of those areas. Of course, that resistance seems to be dwindling as, you know, things keep going. Uh, According to the position papers, um, let's see here, they seem to be uh, very annoyed and grappling off with how to cope with the pesky issue of national sovereignty, which according to the position papers anyway, continue to thwart many of their most ambitious schemes. Uh, Schemes is a good word, uh, especially when it comes to many different kinds of global governance. Not coincidentally, now Obama's doing his best to give them as much control over this country as he can possibly do. I understand Obama's a puppet on a string, but he is probably the most aggressive of all the presidents we have ever had as far as giving over control, you know, to them and bypassing any type of, um, you know, via usually via executive orders and things of this nature. And we've documented a lot of that in other teachings. 
let's see here. Not coincidentally, the conclave of bureaucrats also saw in global governance a greater role for themselves. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet you they did. Because if the UN's the top dog and they're the ones that are in control of the UN, well, they're the ones that run the show. At least that's the way they're looking at it. Uh, next article, switching gears again. An Australian nun, this is also from Cutting Edge, who was punished and now kicked out of the Catholic Church is now being made a saint. Saintly Australian was punished for exposing sex abuse. This is from m g News, September 25th. Sydney, Australia's Mary Macalop, a Catholic nun who died more than 100 years ago, was briefly excommunicated for uncovering the abuse of a pedophile priest. Macalop is set to become Australia's first saint. She was penniless when she was turned out onto the streets in 1871 at the age of 29, and just four years after becoming a nun. How could something so tragic as this really happen? Were pedophile priests so prevalent back then as they are today? And was the cover-up of bishops and cardinals as common as it is today? The story of the excommunication amounts to this. That some priests had been uncovered for being involved in the sexual abuse of children. Uh, This priest, Paul Gardner, said, The revelations of Macalop's role in fighting sex abuse come as the Catholic Church worldwide is facing up to the past misconduct of priests. Oh yeah, they're really facing up. Right. They're trying to cover up and move them around. And just because this is being brought to light is the only reason, the only reason that they're having to deal with any of this. And you know, I honestly believe that as people are made more and more aware of this, and as born-again Bible-believing Christians who are right with God pray and potentially fast about this issue, that I believe more and more of this is going to come to light. Because, see, this evil needs to be brought to light. Or, or would it be better for it just to stay buried and all the little kids keep getting raped and, and abused and sexually defiled? I mean, would that be a better alternative? You'd, ha- you'd have to ask. This stuff needs to come to light. And... Um, I I think it's wonderful that it is. And I think it's wonderful that the Catholic Church, to a large part, is being more and more discredited openly in public. I mean, the thing is, is the people in that cult, unfortunately, are so brainwashed, though. They, I mean, I don't really see a mass exodus out of Catholicism. And you would think they would look at this and say, wow, you know, the foundation of this church is so wicked, so corrupt. These priests are so twisted and warped and perverted. Uh, It's such a high... Uh, percentage, why would I want to be part of this demonic institution, just from the pedophilia alone? Not to mention the 50 million people they killed in the Inquisition, and that's probably a very conservative figure, and those most of them, are a great percentage of them were born-again Bible-believing Christians. All the unbiblical, extra-biblical garbage doctrine that they put out, this and this veneer of this holier-than-thou attitude that, you know, the Pope has, and the bishops, and the cardinals, and it's all an absolute satanic facade. You would think that there'd be a mass exodus, but the mind control and the demonic hold of this Catholic cult is so great that it doesn't matter to them. It's like, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind is made up. I don't care what they do. I'm still going to put my trust in, in going to heaven in this satanic organization, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, the only thing you can really do in that instance, if you have like a family member or something you're trying to deal with, is pray and fast that their eyes get opened. Because it gets to a point where, you know, arguing with them isn't going to get you anywhere. Um, you know, it's just going to be something, it doesn't matter how much facts you show them, it's just like a Freemason, trying to deal with a Freemason, or people in a lot of different cults, it's just, it's such a demonic thing, and you have to identify it as that, and um, again, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes and principalities, you're battling against the demonic, fallen angelic strongholds that these people are, are ensnared in, by the devil, essentially, and uh, it's important to remember that, and um, to pray in that way, so let's go further here. Therefore, this nun outed several priests for their sexual misconduct and was drummed out of the Catholic Church. She lived penniless on the street until she was admitted back into the church. Next month, Macalop is to be canonized by Pope uh, Benedict the anyway Pope Benedict. So they're gonna they're gonna shoot her out of a canon, 
No, just kidding. Sorry. Anyway, she's going to be canonized next month by Pope Bennett, uh, Benedict. And uh, accumulating a century of campaigning for the Melbourne-born nun. Our research over the past decade on the unbelievable sex abuse by Roman Catholic priests against innocent boys, young women, uh, innocent boys and girls, young women and married women, has proven that such sex abuse has been occurring for over a thousand years. But no one has set out to... I should say, they're saying, but no one, I don't believe that, but they're saying no one has set out to answer the question of why from a theological position until Cutting Edge introduced the the DVDs recently by Bill Schneblin, which one is Catholicism, two horns like a lamb, and another one is Catholicism, the church on a haunted hill. Now, I love Bill and everything, but he's totally went the Hebrew roots route, okay? So he himself is in demonic bondage, and he doesn't see it, okay? Love the man. But he used to not be that way. He used to be real strong in the King James Bible, and he wasn't wearing a yarmulke, and he didn't look like a rabbi. And now, unfortunately, he does. So there's a proviso with that. And um, unfortunately, he's the one that, through Cutting Edge, produced these two DVDs um, about this particular problem. Now, they're going on to say the answer is simple. Roman Catholicism is not genuine Christianity, but a mixture of numerous pagan doctrines and practices, all of which lead to sexual deviancy. Former Catholic seminarian, actually, he was actually recruited to be a Gnostic Catholic priest. He was in very, very high-level occult, and he got to a point where he was told that in order to advance further, you must become a Gnostic Catholic priest. Okay, Gnostic meaning hidden knowledge, okay, so it wasn't, I don't think it was your garden variety priest, I think it was a special, almost occult version, real super, super occult, not to say they're not all occult, but a real super occult version of a Catholic priest, okay. Um, Bill Schneblin proves that given the true inner heart nature of Catholicism, sexual deviancy and molestation is what we should expect from many priests. Bill also shockingly reveals that Catholic priests teach that Jesus was able to perform miracles only because he had gone into the occult and was using the power of the occult spirits. Now, a lot of people, this is another bunch of garbage that you'll hear, is that when Jesus um, fleed when he was a boy and they went to Egypt, well, this is where he was actually taught all this occult witchcraft stuff when he was in Egypt. And when he came back and started his ministry at the age of 30, He was this advanced, adept magician in the occult. And this is where he got the power to perform his miracles. So you'll hear that one as well. Okay, I brought up a lot of of stuff you'll hear um, where occultists or people that are trying to discredit Christianity will tend to uh, throw this in your face. Okay, even though they have no real proof that it ever happened. Jesus condemns this belief in the strongest of terms. In Matthew 12, 22-31, Therefore, priests who believe this heresy fall into, into unusually hateful and terrible sins, meaning that Jesus' Jesus's power was derived from the dark side, the occult. Bill also reveals that the Catholic seminary he attended, he discovered that about 75% of the men studying for the priesthood were gay, many of them very openly gay. Wouldn't surprise me a bit, you know? Uh, Bill then reveals Satan maneuvered the Catholic Church, beginning with Constantine, in an effort to corrupt genuine Christianity and take it down from within. Absolutely. I've reported on that many, many times. By appearing to be Christian, but mixing in doctrines and practices of Satanism, billions of souls have been plunged deeply into hell. Absolutely. That's the agenda of the Catholic Church, to through Satan, to take as many people to hell and ultimately the lake of fire as possible. That's the, that's the goal of every cult, or every false religion on the planet. If you really think about it, that's what the goal is, from, from Satan's standpoint. Okay, <clears throat> uh, while these two DVDs are 99.9% the same, Two Horns Like a Lamb has been softened in a couple of areas where people felt that the message was so strong that they could not share this most important information with friends and loved ones. Now, I know there's, there's been complaints about me about that, um, regarding I'm too strong, I, the stuff that I get into, they can't share it with their friend because I come off too strong, and the problem is with that is that there's not a whole lot I can do about the 400 plus teachings I've got on the internet, 
There's just not a lot I can do, okay? And <clears throat> it's very hard for me because I get so righteous and indignant about these these subjects. And I understand, maybe you, that... Not to say they're not making a good point. Not to say that, that I need don't need to, at certain times, maybe tone it down. But <clears throat> particularly with the current event studies, we switch gears so much. Uh, it's, it's tough for me to... Um, I don't want to say being politically correct, but it's very hard for me to be somebody that I'm not, I guess is what I should say. And, um, you know, I've told people that if they really feel convicted that I need to change my approach, that just pray for me, pray for me, because, I I, I mean, obviously, I don't want to, um, they're saying my message could get out and reach more people. And a lot of people view me as hateful and, um, you know, these types of things. I come off, I I don't have love and these types of things, but, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not perfect, okay? And and I never have said I'm perfect, and nobody is ever going to have an approach that is going to appeal to everybody. Uh, I will say I have gotten literally thousands of emails thanking me and these types of things. And I don't take credit for myself, um, but for a lot of people, this is exactly what they needed to hear in the tone they needed to hear. And that was evident. Uh, so, you know, I just kind of wanted to throw that in. I'm not trying, I'm not out here purposely trying to offend people. And I do respect people's comments regarding that. And I just want to let you know that I truly am not out here. It's not my goal to try to offend people. I do get righteous indignant, and, and uh, the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. And righteous indignation is an attribute of God. And I do believe that we are going to see the righteous judgment indignation from God very soon uh, in the church, most likely, because judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. And I think we're going to see a very, very high level of judgment in the church, uh, whether it's in a week, a month, a year, two years, I don't know. But I do believe that God's tangible, righteous judgment is going to fall in the church. And anything that I've said in comparison that may sound hateful is going to pale in comparison to what the Lord Jesus Christ is going to do to the lukewarm church. As an example for, I believe, other Christians, the remnant, and the world. The Bible says, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow. That all men shall see and fear and declare the work of God. That they shall wisely consider of his doing. See, when God judges, all men see and fear and declare the work of God. Not, you know, not to say that somebody could say, well, that wasn't God. It was just a coincidence. But if God does it in such a way where there's no mistaking it was God that did it, well, then, what are you going to say? All men will see and fear and declare the work of God, and they will wisely consider of his doing. The righteous will be glad in the Lord and rejoice, and all the upright in heart will glory, according to Psalm 64. So, anyway, I just want to throw that in there. Um, let's see. Two horns like a lamb has been softened in a couple of areas where people felt that the message was so strong that they could not share the most important information with friends and loved ones. Uh, Church on a Haunted Hill, which is the other one that's 99 percent the same, remains very confrontational and drives the point home sharply that people should expect Catholic priests to be sexually deviant, given the true nature, given the true spiritual nature of the Catholic Church. So, um, yeah. uh, I know that I had sent my grandma, who was a Catholic, uh, who still is, but I had sent her a DVD, or no, it was a VHS tape, and it it was on Catholicism. And, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. And it really, you know, it it, were, it was people that were former nuns and priests. And, you know, it, I really, I thought it was done rather tactfully. But, boy, oh, boy, she didn't interpret it that way. And we're talking, this lady is a sweet lady. I had never, ever even remembered her yelling at me. Like, I used to go up there every summer for months at a time. And I mean, just a wonderful, sweet lady. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, did I see another side of her when I sent her that tape. That's how it will happen, particularly I've seen with Catholics. Now, I'm not saying it wouldn't happen with anybody involved in a false religion. But particularly with Catholics, oh my. 
whoo, boy, you'll see, you'll see the fangs come out because it's demonic. You're dealing with a demonic entity that is rising to the surface. Indignation that it has because you're exposing it and it doesn't want to be exposed. So understand that's what you're dealing with. Now, I also give you links to three teachings I've done regarding kind of the subject. One is called the Catholic Church Takeover. One is called Catholic Doctrines of Devils. And two, Catholic Priest Pedophile. See, my, my approach is a little bit more hardcore, and so a lot of people would, you know, <laughs> if a Catholic were to see Catholic Doctrines of Devils, you know, they're probably, they, they might not be too receptive. I'm not, I guess, part of my, my research is there to actually educate the body of Christ. In fact, that's my main, the main part of my research is actually an educational tool for the body of Christ so that they can defend you know, themselves and be able to argue from a biblical standpoint against these other cults that are out there. Um, but, it's, and again, everything's different. I mean, there's, there's um, different tools out there available um, for different things. And so that's kind of the, the thrust of my teachings. Lastly, we have long predicted Pope Benedict is caught up in the sword, in the sword mess. Uh, this is another article that just came out from CNN. Special Investigations Unit. It's entitled, Deaf Victim of Sex Abuse is Suing the Pope and Going Public with His Story for the First Time. This is in Milwaukee. Terry Kohut has kept a dark secret for 50 years. Now he is breaking the silence, becoming a key figure in the sex abuse crisis in the Catholic Church and the growing controversy over Pope Benedict and what he did about it. When Kohut was barely a teen, and for years afterward, he says he was sexually molested and assaulted by a headmaster and priest of the school where he lived. St. John's School for the Deaf in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Huh, this is so disgusting. What occurred there is one of the most notorious sex abuse cases of all the Catholic Church. Kohut was not alone. From the 1950 to 1974, 24 years, the headmaster of St. John's uh, father, Lawrence C. Murphy, even though the Bible says call no man father but your father in heaven, um, this devil, Lawrence C. Murphy, raped and molested as many as 200 deaf boys. 200. According to court and church documents, Kohut has now filed the first sex abuse lawsuit against the Vatican, actually naming Pope Benedict, previously known as Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, as the defendant. Good for you. God bless you. I hope, I hope that... Uh, I hope that, that it all comes out. It needs to. Ratzinger was once head of the Vatican's powerful C CDF, or Con Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, charged in certain circumstances with investigating sexual abuse of minors by the priests. Remember, it's a big cover-up within the Catholic Church, within the Vatican. And through church records shows the abuse by Father Murphy was brought to the attention of Ratzinger. And the CDF, years ago, a church trial against the headmaster was stopped, and he was allowed to remain a priest. So, Ratzinger, our current devil pope, he was the one in charge of this division of the Catholic Church. He was the one in charge, okay? And he willingly turned a blind eye to this devil who had raped 200 deaf boys, and let him stay in that position. That is what a sick, twisted, warped freak this Pope is. I well remember the case of a Catholic priest in North Attleboro, Massachusetts, who wrote a letter to Pope Paul II, confessing that he had molested a number uh, of young boys in the congregation and asked to be removed. Pope Paul never responded, though. Pope Paul II never responded. They're, they're all devils. Okay, at that level. They, let, they want this to happen. The Catholic Church, from a demonic standpoint, wants these pedophile priests raping and, and as many people as they can rape, particularly children. Why? Because Satan's agenda is to defile the children, and the younger, the better. So this is a wonderful tool. They can, they can go under this religious facade of this Catholic church with their big churches and their pipe organs and their vestments and all the stuff that looks so religious 
It's nothing more than a repackaged Babylonian mystery religion, is all it really is. And they can have this veneer of, of holiness. And at the same time, it's like Jesus said, outwardly, you know, you're like a whitened, uh, a, a whitened sepulcher. But inwardly, you're like, well, he, he, he called like the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, whitened sepulchers full of dead man's bones. See, on the outside, they look real nice. But on the inside, they were like full of dead man's bones. They were dead inside. They were going and on their way to hell. And this is what we're dealing with here. This level of perversion. I, I, it's, it's beyond me how this satanic institution, I mean, how, how people have allowed it to exist. And how people still flock to see this guy speak or whoever the current pope is and, and go to these churches. I just don't understand it. I mean, the, brainwa- the demonic brainwashing is so high, it it's just defies imagination. You can read the full details. This is from Cutting Edge. Uh, it's I'll give you a link here. It's entitled "Pedophile Catholic Priest Confessed Directly to the Pope in 1973," but his unholiness took no action. Later, over 50 children were molested and raped because Mr. Pope didn't take any action. Now you know the bottom line truth: Catholic priests have been sexually violating their parishioners for over a thousand years, and the entire upward hierarchy just covers the entire sore disaster. We should further note, we should further not be too surprised by the sword sexual character of the Roman Catholic priesthood because the Pope constantly uses satanic symbolism to declare to the world that he is God. Well, what, why, what do you mean? Well, if you look at the inside of his mitre, which is nothing more than a knockoff of a Dagon fish hat, if you look at his hat from the side, it looks like a fish. Well, that's because he was, he's essentially a priest of Dagon. Remember Dagon in the Bible? Samson went in the temple of Dagon and, and finally he destroyed it at the end after his eyes had been put out. Well, that was Dagon, the fish god. Okay? Um, anyway, uh, let's go further here. The Pope always wears white. This is another news article they've got. Pope always wears white. Visitors wear dark. Uh, this is a luminous symbolism dating back to 4,000 years ago. White and black dress symbolism shouts the Pope is God. Oh, anyway, on the inside of his mitre, it says Vicar of Christ. That, what does the word vicar mean? Substitute. He believes he is the substitute for Jesus Christ on earth. That's, that's how they can get away with basically saying whatever he says goes. Because, see, we don't need, they don't need the Jesus Christ of the Bible. They make up their own rules as they go. Evidenced by things like Vatican II and all this other decrees and dogmas or whatever they put out. You know, whatever whim that they feel like. So the Bible doesn't mean anything to them. It's just, it's just, it's just like Mormonism, the Jehovah Witnesses, any other pseudo-Christian cult out there that says, oh, we go by the Bible. No, you don't. You go by your false prophets. You go by man-made dogmas or doctrines. You go by false visions. Or you go by direct channelings from devils or demons. You know, that's how you get, that's how you get your true doctrine. So... The Illuminati decided in early 1991 that the Roman Catholic Pope, whomever he was at the time, would be the top religious leader in the New World Order. Now that's what they're saying. This designation means that the Roman Catholic Pope will be the false religious prophet of Revelation 13, 10-18. This really means that the Pope will be identical, well, not identical to Antichrist, but he'll be similar, be the false prophet. Now you can see how depraved the Roman system is. Now, as an interesting side note, Remember the devil that we just talked about, Sananda Manuel, a.k.a. Master Jesus? Well, guess what? Maitreya says, when he comes back, who's coming with him? At least shortly afterward. He says Master Jesus, or the Sananda Manuel, is actually going to come back with him. Now, the Muslims are expecting this as well. They're expecting when their Imam Mahdi, who Maitreya openly says he is, which is their awaited savior, when he comes, he's going to come with Master Jesus. This Jesus of the Muslim of the Quran. Okay? Guess where Maitreya, guess where the UN, guess where these occult New Age writings are saying that Master Jesus is going to be inserted into? Rome, as the head of the Catholic Church. But more, more importantly, at that point, it will be the pseudo, not really pseudo, but the head of of all the Christian denominations worldwide. Because the lying signs and wonders are going to be so great, and people are going to be so traumatized, and they're going to be told, you better get with the program. Okay? 
Catholic Church is going to step to the forefront. They're going to insert this master, Sananda Emmanuel, master, a.k.a. false master Jesus, into, essentially, as the position of the Pope. Now, this is what they're saying. It's not what I'm saying. This is what the New Age, right? This is what Matre, this is what the UN and these types of things have acknowledged, okay? Who better to set at the head of the pseudo-Christian movement? Because supposedly Master Jesus is going to be responsible for uniting all the Christian religions in the world. That's what his job is going to be. Who better to insert in there than the the long-haired, real handsome version uh, Jesus that the Catholic Church originally gave us? Isn't that kind of funny? The Catholic Church gave us that image, and now the same person that's going to actually be taking over that position of, I guess you call it Pope, but it's really going to be higher position. It's going to be literally in charge of uniting all Christian religions. That it's going to be this Master Jesus. Who better? Who better on the planet? I mean, if there was anybody that could put everybody on the same page, don't you think it would be that particular figure? And if he comes with all lying signs and wonders and miracles and everybody's so awestruck and everybody's so brainwashed and the demonic infiltration will be unlike anything you'd ever seen and then there's UFOs involved in World War III and all kind of natural cataclysmic events that will create maximum trauma and shock so people will be at the, the, the peak of receptiveness and then you have Project Blue Beam beaming things into people's heads, holographic images into the sky and then you have all the garbage that they're doing to the food supply to dumb us down and to basically fry our brain and all these psychotropic drugs and meds people are on? Can you imagine? I can. I mean, it's coming ever more in focus to me. It seems to me more and more obvious as the days go by. But I thought that was interesting because Cutting Edge says that and they're saying that um, the Illuminati decided in early 1991 the Roman Catholic Pope whomever he was at the time, would be the top religious leader in the New World Order. Now, they have a link you can click on to explore that specific subject further. This designation means the Roman Catholic Pope will be the false religious prophet of Revelation 13, 10 through 18, which makes sense. Um, anyway, pretty much lines up with every other teaching I have ever done. I'm not saying I think I'm Mr. Whatever, but it does seem like it's lining up. Um, let's see here. Okay, let's go to the next article here. Uh, remember the uh, Satanist group in Oklahoma City that was going to have the, the uh, like exorcism or whatever? Well, Satanist group splits as Oklahoma City... Uh, the Satanist group split has Oklahoma City's show in question. Uh, this is from September 16th. A Satanic group with plans for a public event at the Civic Center Music Hall has splintered a founder said Wednesday. Statement posted on the website for the Church of the Fourth Majesties, the Satanic Church, said the church had been disbanded and an October 21st gathering at the Civic Center to include a public Satanic exorcism was no longer scheduled. The website advised people who had already purchased a $15 ticket to the event to send their ticket to the post office and the money would be refunded. The Church of the Fourth Majesties has been dissolved. The show has been canceled, the website said. However, James Hale, who said he is one of the church's three founders, told the Oklahoman on Wednesday, evidently a publication called the Oklahoman, that another church of the Fourth Majesties founder wrote the statement because he had been expelled from the church for being a registered sex offender. Hmm. Hale said the co-founder did not have the right to cancel the event because Hale signed the city contract to lease the facility. He said the church is reforming and still hopes to have an event at the Civic Center. Hale said he plans to get other group members together to come up with a new name for the church and revise plans for the October 21st event at the Civic Center. So this is, you know, less than 20 days from now. He said two church members are ready to sign on as officers of the new church. Hale said the other co-founder of the church of the... has the church of the Fourth Majesty's bank records... And then he goes on to say, if there's any way to pull it out, we will. At least, at the very least, the exorcism is not canceled. It's postponed, Hale said. Now, I really view this as an answer to prayer. But it's something that that, uh, we need to continue to pray about. I saw another thing where there was actually going to be a couple Christian churches show up now and actually in a nearby 
area and to pray, I'm hoping, against this, you know, against this wickedness. And I'm not saying don't pray that that they get saved because, you know, God is, you know, you know, I'm not saying the Lord can't save them. Um, But it's an interesting thing, and this is a victory, but they are still going to try to pull this thing off. And so, again, I think we should just continue to pray about it. But it just goes to show you, I mean, a lot of, really, a ton of the stuff that I bring up on a weekly basis are things that we can pray about. And if we don't know about them, how do we know to even pray about them? And so, again, that's that's a big, big thing. And um, so that was encouraging. Let's go further. This is from a listener in Australia. Uh, it's entitled, Alex Stewart, a lecturer at Queensland KUT University literally smoked pages from the Bible and the Quran on YouTube. I didn't watch this. I couldn't watch it. I, I didn't. I started it and I didn't even want to watch it. I, I don't even want to see it. Um, but it is up there, and I do give a link to it. Uh, he is. I guess he's since closed his account, but a copy of it can be found here. He goes on to say, "I am so ashamed of our nation." We have nearly forgotten God, and you know what Psalms and Proverbs has to say about that. No, oh, brother, God bless you, and I mean, we're, we're in the same boat here in America. <laughs> uh, he gives some really good Bible verses, and, and that was one of the main reasons I wanted to read this. Psalm nine seventeen: the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations that forget God. Uh, amen. And again, this is, this is where we're moving in this country. Um, Proverbs, not not the remnant. I'm not talking about individually people from the remnant speaking. I'm talking about as in general. Okay, Proverbs 14:34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Uh, then he goes on to say, what I found interesting is that he actually told us which verse of the Bible, Holy Bible he was about to smoke in the video. From all the thousands of verses he could have picked, he chose John 3:15. Wow. This reprobate has no fear of God whatsoever. Yeah, you're right about that. John 3.15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Um, I, and then he goes on to say, I can't imagine what the Lord Jesus Christ will say to him on Judgment Day. It scares me to just even think about it. But the Bible gives insight. Proverbs 1.25-32, King James, but, all, but ye have said it not, all my counsel, Meaning you haven't obeyed God's counsel. And would none of my reproof, meaning you didn't hear God's reproof or or value his counsel whatsoever. That's what it's saying, verse 25. Verse 26, as a result, okay, in verse 26 it says, "I I also will laugh at your calamity, and I will mock when your fear cometh. See, that's what's coming to lukewarm Christianity. And I also believe the wicked, just flat out wicked people in this in this nation. I really believe that, that God's judgment's coming. It has to. I mean, there's just, for so many different reasons, as we've documented in so many different studies. God will laugh, it says that your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Well, see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding. It's also the beginning of knowledge. They didn't fear the Lord, so they're going to hate true knowledge. My children are destroyed for lack of what? Knowledge. That's what the Bible says in Hosea 4.6. Therefore, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will, I, will not be, um, I will also reject thee, is what the Bible says. And I will be a priest to, me, to thee no more, and I will also reject thy children. It's like Psalm Hosea 4.6 and 7, I believe. It's a, kind of a paraphrase. It wasn't an exact quote, but that's, that's what it says, essentially. So, choosing fear of the Lord and praying for the fear of the Lord is obviously a very, very important thing. And most people don't even think to pray about it. But honestly, it is important to pray about it. Because if you don't fear God, you're going to most likely get deceived. Isn't that what this is implying? Okay, let's reverse it. Let's read the last part. They didn't choose the fear of the Lord. Okay. 
They hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They're connected. They hated not. They hated. Now, this isn't just any knowledge. This is true knowledge. This is knowledge only the Holy Spirit can show you. Okay, Holy Spirit has to be the one that reveals to you knowledge. Now, granted, the most important knowledge is the Word of God. But there is knowledge outside, like exposing cults or exposing evil or being destroyed for lack of knowledge, those types of things. Um, Not being ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us. 2 Corinthians 2.11 We're not to be ignorant. Now, there's more of Satan's devices in today's day and time than ever, 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 probably in the planet, maybe save Noah's flood time, which Jesus said, as it was in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, so shall it be in the days, you know, uh, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, Noah's day is going to be like the day and time we're living in, because Jesus is, you know, the end times that we're that we're living in. So, um, it's very important that we pray for fear of the Lord, and um, that we that we look at these verses, and you know, we need to examine ourselves. The Bible says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So, let's go further. Verse thirty. They would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way, and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. And then he ends it by saying, even so come Lord Jesus, in Christ Jesus our Lord Paul. So thank you Paul, that was very good. Um, Let's go further. This next article, this is horrific. In Pakistan, Muslims burn Christian man as police rapes his wife. Yes, this is more fruit of Islam, the wonder, wonderful religion of peace we've all heard so much about. Uh, this is from, let's see here, out of Washington, D.C. Travesty of justice does not fit the description of these events. This is a simple barbarous. Now, again, almost every week now I'm reporting to you, you know, last week the poor woman that was stoned. Uh, for being seen with another man in public. And, you know, now this, it's something every single week. And these are just things that are escaping. I mean, there's probably, this stuff's going on all the time over there. It's just not getting out. Uh, International Christian Concern, or ICC, has learned that a Christian man, Arshad Mahish, died yesterday after Muslims burned him alive for refusing to recant his faith. Additionally, a Muslim policeman raped Mahish's wife as well. Now, the Bible talks about in Hebrews where it says, like, talks about, like, people that were commended for, for you know. And then it, it, it ends Christians that were commended for enduring and suffering and hardships. And, you know, some of them were martyred and beheaded. And at the end of it, it says, for of whom the world was not worthy. That's what I think about when I see that. You know, this man would not recant his, recant his faith, was burned alive, you know, while his wife was being raped. I mean, that, that is just beyond horrific. And again, this needs to be exposed and told. Mahish and his wife, Martha, worked and lived in a house of Sheikh Mohammed Sultan, a powerful Muslim businessman, in Pakistan since 2005. In January, Muslim religious religious leaders and the Sheikh Sultan asked Mashish and his family to convert to Islam. Mashish and his family refused to convert and informed the Sheikh Sultan that they were going to quit working for him. The Sheikh became furious and warned Mashish that he would kill him if he quit. Wow, that's a fun employer. Mashish told his family and friends about the entire incident. Christian leaders tried to persuade the Sheikh to let Mashish and his family leave his house. This is unbelievable. On March 19th, Mashish was set on fire in front of the police station. At the time, three Muslim religious leaders and three policemen were present at the scene. Evidently, they all gave their approval, approval to this. The perpetrators have not been identified. Oh, I wonder where they went. Huh. Mashish was taken to the Holy Family Hospital where he received treatment for three days before finally dying. Can you imagine the horrific death that would have been? Being burned alive and then living three days and then dying? Oh my, I can't even imagine. God bless him. Poor thing. 
Mashish's children, Mary, age 12, Nasser, age 10, and Neha, age 7, are deeply traumatized after witnessing acts of brutality against their family at the hands of Muslims. Again, more religion of peace confirmation there. I'm sorry, but I mean, this is just so satanic. Pray for that family. Uh, and these poor Christians caught over there. What a terrible, horrific place to be to, to be caught uh, or live. Uh, next article is, um, I just got this the other day, it's deprogramsfilms.net. Uh, they've got, I, I just wanted to throw this in there because a lot of the films I've recommended in the past, not all, but a lot of some of these documentaries that document things like on Obama and on depleted uranium and a lot of different... Uh, a lot of different um, DVDs are actually up there, available free for viewing. And um, if you have a particular subject you were looking into, um, it's they've got, I guess, about 220 films. 120 are available for download. Um, and I guess, and I mean, these aren't like movies. These are like documentaries on, like, like I said, Beyond Treason with Depleted Uranium, uh, different things on Obama, different things on world government. Those types of things. I'm not going to put my blanket stamp of approval on every single thing they got up there, but it is. it looks like a pretty good resource without you having to go out and actually buy these things if you're trying to get up to speed. So anyway, I'll give you the links to that so you can go up there. Next thing, I had a guy email me and said I shouldn't use the word fortunate or fortunately. And um, the word... And, and it's true, and I didn't really know this until I really researched I suspected this, but I didn't really know it. And so, uh, Fortuna is the Roman goddess of luck, which you know how I love that word, luck, lucky Lucifer. Luck, fate, and fortune, as her name implies. She was a very popular goddess and was worshipped under many epithets, depending on the type of luck one wished to invoke or certain circumstances in play. Many of her temples in Rome and various aspects of her worship are a reflection in the manners in which she was honored, from a personal goddess overseeing the fate of an individual mother, young man, or soldier, to the goddess of the state, ensuring the fortune of the populace, the luck of the emperor, or the glorious fate of the entire Roman Empire. Fortuna was usually depicted holding one hand a corticopia, or a horn of plenty, and from the other from which all good things flowed in abundance. So in other words, it doesn't come from God, it comes from this stinking goddess, fallen angel, okay? Um, representing her ability to bestow prosperity. Well, the only way you're going to gain her her good graces is by worshipping her and most likely probably performing some type of animal or child or human sacrifice or whatever, whatever was required of an individual in order to appease the gods, Okay. Um, in other words, uh, let's say, and she generally has a ship's rudder in the other hand to indicate that she is she is the one who controls how lives and fates are steered. What an abomination and blasphemous affront to God! You know, I mean, this this fallen angel devil that they're worshiping, you know, is 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 not the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the First, and the Last. And they they set themselves up, these false idolatrous uh, figures, whether it be a god or goddess, they set themselves up like they're these, you know, gods that are up there, and they're the ones that are deciding the fate of humanity and this and that. And it's a bunch of garbage, okay? Um, the name Fortuna finds its root in the Latin pharaoh, meaning to bring, win, receive, or get. So, now, listen, if I slip up and say fortunately or whatever, you know, forgive me, I'm sorry, um, I'll try to refrain from it. I know a lot of words have occult meanings, okay? A ton of words we use in the English language have occult meanings. And you'd have to almost probably do about a, one month study to, to determine, well, you could probably do a two-year study if you had to go into the dictionary and try to figure out what words have an occult derivative or were derived from an occult source. So, you know, just so you know. Uh, next thing, Nike warning. Nike, okay, and that's N-I-K-E, just like the shoe brand, 
was the winged goddess or spirit daemon or demon of victory. Okay, this is why Nike is named Nike. It's the goddess of victory. Both in battle and in peaceful competition. When Zeus was gathering allies at the start of the Titan War. Now this is the, this is the legend, okay. When Zeus was gathering allies at the start of the Titan War, Styx brought her four children. Okay, now there's a river in hell named Styx as well, which this Styx goddess has something to do with. And Styx is supposedly the river that flows through hell. That's why the rock group Styx named itself Styx. And it's not spelled S-T-I-C-K-S. It's spelled S-T-Y-X. When you see that spelling of Styx, it's the river that supposedly flows through hell. Little, little uh, trivia there. Okay, Styx brought her four children. Nike, which is victory. Zelos, which is rivalry. Kratos, which is strength. And Baia, which is force, into the service of the god Zeus. Nike was appointed his charioteer. And all four were appointed as sentinels standing beside the throne of the god. Styx was the goddess of the underworld river Styx, one of the Titan, uh, one of the Titan generations. Okinidius. I'm sorry, I can't even pronounce it. Styx was also personified, uh, daemon meaning demon spirit of hatred. So, anyway, that's a little. That's a. I, I'm sorry. I wouldn't. Buy, I wouldn't buy Nike. Is a general rule of thumb. Just like I do not shop at, you know, China Mart. I mean Walmart, which imports virtually all of its goods directly from China slave labor. Everything, I'm, I'm serious. Everything I buy from there is cursed. I'm not saying that everything you buy from there is cursed. But everything I have tried to buy from there since I really found out about them, it will break, won't work, be bad, Every single time. I'm not making this up. I can't buy anything from that store. God hammers me. Every time. I don't even try anymore. Because, you know, I mean, everybody gets in a buy. Oh, there's no other place to go. No other place is open. I'll just run in here. It doesn't work for me. I can't do it. The place is pure evil. Walmart is pure evil. I'm sorry. I, I, I just, it is one of the most wicked corporations on the planet. It is Big Brother personified. In a corporate structure setting. I was looking at the ships the other day that, that come in from China that deliver to Walmart. And these are the biggest ships, I believe, in the world. These things are so big. You, they, they're like cities. And they were showing these things. I got an email and it was showing these things. And the, the hundreds, probably thousands of containers each one has. And they're all... It's all goods for Walmart. It's all from China. You can't even hardly buy anything in America that's not from China anymore. And they were saying that the containers, when they get empty, they get put right back on the same ship. And the ship is totally, all the containers are empty. What is that telling you? That's telling you they're exporting all of their China slave labor goods to our country. And we're we're exporting nothing to them at all. It's a one-way, you know... Um, benefit to them purely, okay? And it's not benefiting their their populace other than, you know, if you call slave labor a good thing for, for the populace. It's just benefiting the elite. Okay, another another little thing here. Correction on the thing about Queen, I said last week, the rock band Queen. I had a couple of people email me and they said, I shouldn't have said that they were all gay and they all died of AIDS. I'm sorry, I had heard that. I shouldn't have believed the rumors. Uh, actually, Freddie Mercury obviously was open gay, openly gay on Queen. And yes, he did die of AIDS. I was right about that. But the other three members evidently are married happily with kids. I don't know if they're married happily, but they've got kids. And they're supposedly not gay. I just can't imagine why in the world they would have a rock band. Name it Queen. Queen? I mean, that's another um, hom- uh, homosexual kind of acronym type of thing. And for the members not to be openly gay, it'd be kind of weird, you know? It'd be like, okay, I'm labeled this, but I'm not really this. It'd be, for me, and I just can't imagine doing that. But anyway, um, I, I looked this up just to verify it. I got verification from a couple listeners. I also verified it on the internet. This is from a, uh, this was that question was posed on the, on the internet. And the best answer chosen by voters was, 
this QueenOnline.com is a website for the official one for Queen. Um, it's known that frontman Freddie Mercury was openly gay, died of AIDS in 1991. As far as I know, the other members of Queen are straight and married with kids. Uh, so, my info comes from watching a documentary about them. They made a movie about Freddie Mercury back in the 1990s for TV. Now, this is another sidebar. Then, this is not from him, but um, another thing I found. The 1977 release of News in the World went top ten with its double-A-sided We Will Rock You, written by May and Mercury, and then We Are the Champions, and you know, that real famous, I mean, both of those are real super Famous songs, uh, from rock and rock standpoint. Uh, the We Are the Champions was supposedly a gay rights song that was pretty much overtaken and still is used today as an anthem for the champion sports teams worldwide. I mean, you hear that a lot. But it was actually, from Freddie Mercury's standpoint, We Are the Champions was a gay rights song. So just so you know, a little bit about that um, rock group there. Next article. Oh boy, we're going to have to go to the next part here. Okay, God bless. We'll see you in part four.